All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Fun fact. In the state of North Carolina, two 16-year-olds can have consensual sex without breaking the law. They're old enough. But they cannot send or receive a naked picture of each other. That is illegal. Actually, it's a felony. Take it from District Court Judge Stephen Stokes. Some of them think that they can put them in these little photo vaults or they can, you know, Snapchat sort of um, gives them the impression that these pictures would disappear after, say, 10 seconds and nobody will ever see them. So one day you're going to grow up. You're not going to be 16 anymore. You're going to go get a job somewhere. On this week's episode, a different kind of story about teenagers and sexting and the law, and why we are at a really crazy cultural crossroads when it comes to all three. It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Shock and shame. The newest sexting scandal involving underage students. Cell phones can be dangerous in the hands of young people. So we hear about these so-called scandalous situations every so often. Kids being coerced into sending pictures of themselves, and then those pictures going all over the place. Abuse, pressure, revenge porn, or public shaming that can happen during or after the pictures are taken and shared. I mean, it is no wonder that sexting, like sex itself, is confusing territory for kids. It is tough being a teenager these days. But what if a couple sends each other photos because, I don't know, they're in love. They are boyfriend-girlfriend. They have no intention of letting anyone else see these photos, and it is a consensual decision. Well, it turns out that can be considered a felony, too. But should it just be considered a new, normal part of being a teenager? Where do you draw the line between responsible adulthood and youthful folly? Technology makes that a really tough question. I don't just go around showing my body everyone. I just, we were in a long relationship and then it happened. Hormones came. Our story starts here, Fayetteville, North Carolina. This is like a mid-sized city, about an hour south of the Tech Triangle, Raleigh, Durham, that whole area. This is a town that takes its high school football legacy very seriously. So think Friday Night Lights. And if the star quarterback doesn't show up to a big game on a Friday night, local reporters are going to start digging around to see what's going on. A little mysterious at first because, uh, you know, why was he taken off the team? He's charged with this crime. Oh, my gosh, this is awful, Mm -hmm. awful. This is Paul Wolverton. He's a reporter for the Fayetteville Observer. Uh, Sometimes I joke that I cover the lawmakers and the lawbreakers. Nice. So first thing Monday morning after the game, Paul got his assignment. And went to the courthouse and 
dug into the warrants and the supporting documents to figure out exactly what happened, what was involved. And then in the course of the, the football player, Cormega Copening, then 16 years old, was facing numerous felony charges and his crime made national news. Here's the headline on Good Morning America. This morning, a star North Carolina high school quarterback making headlines, but not for his plays on the field. Cormega and his girlfriend, Brianna, two high school kids who'd been dating for a while, they'd sent each other sexy pictures, and they were now facing charges of child pornography. Why? Because in most states, sending or taking pictures of anyone under the age of 18 is illegal, including if you are underage and you take a picture of yourself. I mean, it wasn't just that they were sharing and sexting pictures to each other, but he was charged with exploiting himself for having pictures of himself on his phone. And she was charged with exploiting herself for having a picture of herself on her phone. Yeah, and then, if that's not weird enough, because of an odd North Carolina law, Cormega and Brianna were considered adults. Adults who had exploited themselves as minors. We're one of two states that say that if you are 16 or older, if you're charged with a crime, you're an adult. But if you're the victim of a crime, you're a minor. So in these cases, since they were under 18, but over 16, they were both the adult criminals who exploited their minor selves. Okay, can we just like, let's just repeat what Paul just said. Basically, because they were over the age of 16, they were adults. But because they were under the age of 18, they were also kids at the same time. So they were exploiting themselves. Cormega says he had no idea that what he and his girlfriend were doing was illegal. Is there like a sex ed class where they're like, so let's talk about the picture thing. They don't say like, by the way, you know, we know that like. It's illegal. I wish they would have said that. Yeah, this is not something that you think that you would need to warn your teenager about. It's kind of a weird legal loophole. So I want to introduce you to Carrie Goldberg. She's a lawyer in New York. That's the other state that treats kids 16 and older as adults. And she specializes in online harassment and sexual assault litigation. It was such a revolutionary moment when those two kids in North Carolina were both busted under child pornography laws. And... The fact that that did get so much media attention makes me think that perhaps that's a super exceptional case and that most law enforcers and prosecutors and judges are being reasonable. But Mm, but you um, don't know. Who knows how many of these are happening? The press was fascinated with the North Carolina case because, yeah, of course, sexting sells. But also, we all know that sexting is happening. Many parents feel super uncomfortable and worried about it. And so when the law gets involved... It seems like a vindication of those worries, doesn't it? According to Pew Research, the typical teen sends an average of 67 texts a day. And a 2012 study of 1,000 teens in Texas found that one in four had sent or received sexually explicit photos. I mean, no teenager whom I've ever spoken to seems surprised about their peers sending naked photos even if they won't admit to doing it themselves. So I think it is safe to say that kids are getting used to the idea of sexting, but it's their parents and the law who aren't quite caught up. Just half of the states in the U.S. have proposed or implemented laws that address teen sexting directly. 
Rather than throw the book at kids, call it child pornography, they have things like diversionary programs. These are classes about cyberbullying and decision-making. Defense attorneys can ask for a reduction of charges to misdemeanors or ask if the kid can just serve community service. So here's an example. In New York, despite treating kids over 16 as adults for other crimes, teens found sexting do not face juvenile or adult criminal charges. New Mexico is the most liberal state so far. They've decriminalized sexting. Revenge porn is still illegal, but taking a nude selfie and choosing to share it with someone special is not. But there are states where if a teen is convicted of child pornography, they could be required to register as a sex offender for years. This is serious stuff. When we come back, what went down in North Carolina, how our star football player got caught, what he went through legally, and his words of advice for any teenager thinking about sexting now, especially in certain states. We're back. It's Note to Self. I'm Manoush Samarodi, and we're doing our episode about teens and sexting, the consensual kind. As we looked around the country, we found some odd stories about the law and teenage sexting, like this case in Virginia in 2014, where prosecutors photographed a 17-year-old boy naked in order to prove that his penis matched the one in a picture that his 15-year-old girlfriend had received. (laughs) I mean, okay, that just doesn't sound like a good policy to me. Or the story about a state senator in Florida who wanted to strengthen juvenile sexting laws, but then he got involved in his own revenge porn scandal when his ex-wife posted nude selfies that he had sent her. Sheesh. All these weird cases popping up around the country. But here's how it all started for Cormega back in Fayetteville. So in 2014, an incident happened in the locker room at the high school that Cormega was attending there. The situation's kind of murky, but it involved a 14-year-old girl and one or more teenage boys. The sheriff was called in to investigate what was being called an alleged statutory rape. Exactly what happened, I don't know. I just know they were investigating this incident. Here's Paul Wolverton, the Fayetteville Observer reporter, who we heard from earlier. And in the investigation, they were looking at kids' cell phones because they thought pictures had been taken and were being shared through the high school as high school kids do. When they got to Cormega, Cormega wasn't involved in the incident, but they thought he might have received some of the pictures or videos. And they asked to look at his phone, and apparently he and his mom were okay with it because he didn't commit this crime. He had nothing to do with it. Okay, so Cormega has nothing to do with this incident, he is happy to cooperate. So he hands over his phone, and they look through the phone, and they don't find anything from the incident with the 14-year-old, but they find on his phone two naked pictures of him and a naked picture of his girlfriend. Technically, under the letter of North Carolina law, this was a crime. Not the one that police expected to find, but a crime nonetheless. 
When Note to Self producer Jen Poyant and I went to visit the Copening House on a steamy southern Sunday afternoon, Melissa, the mom, was at her continuing education class. Cormega wasn't back yet from driving a friend home. But his dad, Robert, was there and happy to talk. Hello, Manoush. Lovely to meet you. They got some new photos they was exchanging back and forth. When Robert Copening, Cormega's father, first got a call from the police all those months ago, yeah, he was surprised. But not so much about the sexting going on between his son and Brianna, more about the legal ramifications. I'm like, what's the big deal? That's how I was. So now she's like, no, no, you know, stay in North Carolina. I'm going to get back with you to see what the district attorney wanted to do. Robert Copening was born and raised in Fayetteville. He's a truck driver. He and his wife, Melissa, have five kids. And now at 18 years old, Cormega is the youngest. He is an athlete. There are these big poster-sized photos of him all over the walls of their TV room. Like, as a father, at that point, are you thinking... Oh, Mega, why'd you do this? Or are you thinking, like, this is what teenagers do. I have five children. I know what teenagers are like. Like, what's going through your mind? I'm thinking the latter of the two. <laughs> Honest. You know teenagers. But then I'm thinking, you know, there's five pictures. You wanting to put five felonies up, a felony for each picture. So now I'm thinking, now, you know, there's people that rob banks to get seven years. That's the... Now, these pictures, they were saying it was a ten-year sentence, you know, registered as a sex offender. So I'm saying, you could get more time for this than that? You know? Yup. Cormega was charged with five felony counts of sexual exploitation of a minor. One of those was for the picture of his girlfriend, Brianna, which she had sent to him. The other felonies were for pictures he had taken of himself. She faced similar charges, two felony counts of sexual exploitation of a minor, for pictures she had taken of herself. I'm Cormega Copening, and we're sitting in my living room. But it was interesting. For him, it all came back to football and what his coaches had to say. They found out about it, and then I got called to the office. It was before the season even started. It was like summer still. And then they were like, you have felonies? And I was like, um, pending. I didn't get convicted yet. And then they were like, well, you can't play with them pending. So I was like, oh. I started crying there. So Carmega is this handsome, tall young man. He has these big biceps that bulge out of his cut-off T-shirt, but his face is still young and sweet. And the picture I saw of him and Brianna on Facebook, it is totally adorable. They are hugging and smiling in a parking lot before, like, a school dance or something. Is there, like, a sex ed class where they're like, so let's talk about the picture thing? No, they just talk about diseases you can get from it in sex ed. Yeah, that's how they really talk about. But they don't say, like, by the way, you know, we know that, like... It's, it's illegal. I wish they would have said that. And did you feel... Me and Jen, I mean, these two middle-aged day. women who had flown in from New York, there we were, sitting on his parents' red couch and asking him about his girlfriend and sexting. Yeah. Awkward. I just didn't... I thought it was all crazy to be charging a couple. Like, I could... I don't know. Like, they were acting like we were just sending them out to everyone, like, exploiting each other, like, embarrassing each other or putting each other out there. But it didn't go down that way. Only we saw it. And the police. Both Cormega and Brianna pleaded to a lesser offense, disseminating harmful material to minors, a misdemeanor, 
They had to pay fines. They had to do community service. They had to take a good decision-making class. And they had to not possess a cell phone during a months-long probation period. When they completed their punishment, the charges were dismissed. One of the judges involved in the case was this man. Well, my name is Stephen Craig Stokes. I'm a district court judge here in Fayetteville, Cumberland County. Do you see a lot of teenagers, Judge, come before you? Well, in, in North Carolina, you know, we, we prosecute 16-year-olds, you know, as adults. So um, technically, yes. The Copening-Denson case was Judge Stokes's first teenage sexting case. It's not a common thing uh, that occurred. Probably you'll see more. Uh, I think across the country you see a lot of them. But in terms of my own personal experience, that was the first time that came up in Cumberland County. When you look a kid like... Cormega or um, Brianna in the eye at a, in a situation like this, what do you want them to know? What do you, not just like, okay, hand, you can't have a phone for a year or you're on probation. What do you say? Well, you hope that they look at the bigger picture, which is, you know, you, you put these images out there, you lose total control of them. And some of them think that they can put them in these little photo vaults or they can, you know, Snapchat sort of um, gives them the impression that these pictures would disappear after, say, 10 seconds and nobody will ever see them. So one day you're going to grow up. You're not going to be 16 anymore. You're going to go get a job somewhere. You're going to go to a certain school. And these jobs, these employers and these schools are going to have their own criteria for what is a good employee and a good student. And maybe because you have those images out there, they don't want you in. Now, are you willing to risk the prospect that you don't get a certain job, you don't get into a certain school, because it was more important to you to be able to put that picture out there. So for Cormega, for example, what was the immediate consequence long before anything happened in the court? You know, he was a good student. He was a star quarterback. He got suspended from the team, from the game. And so did he anticipate that that could happen? What happened? I suspect he didn't. And had someone told him, if you put that on your phone and somebody sees that, here's what could happen, would he still have chosen to do that? I think not. In this specific case, though, with Cormega having just come from his home and talked to his dad and talked to him, he says that he was in a committed relationship with his girlfriend, and this was something that they thought was private between them. His parents trusted him, and yet this horrible, really horrible, upsetting thing has happened in their life. Uh, yeah, I agree, I agree completely, but it's not a narrow, isolated thing. They don't live on an island. They live as, as part of society. And again, the folks who are responsible for enacting these laws have to think about this in terms of public policy. Do you think that the DA should have proceeded, or should they have shown discretion that actually perhaps their time was better spent pursuing other law breaking citizens? Well, I understand your reticence in asking the question, and I'll match your reticence with my answer (laughs) and just saying, you know, the DA, that's his job to follow the law, the same as it is with law enforcement, to arrest someone if they are in violation of the law. How does the legislature come up with drafting that somehow accommodates for that without um, at the same time sending a message that it's okay to send these types of messages out or pictures out? Uh, or to possess them. Parents still have uh, an understandable, legitimate concern for their children and not to want their children to possess these kinds of things. I have a 13-year-old daughter. It scares me to death to think about it. Yeah, 
teens and sexting scares a lot of us to death. By the way, we reached out several times to Billy West, the district attorney on this case, and none of our requests for comment were answered. I asked Carrie Goldberg, the internet lawyer we heard from earlier, for her thoughts on how personal morals might affect how the law is enforced. There is sort of a, a paternalistic and prudishness when it comes to this idea of teens being sexual at all. It's like we've kind of gotten to the point where we accept that they're sexual creatures and, you know, in some states we'll give them condoms and teach them sex ed, although usually it's like way too late. But, oh, my God, when people hear that somebody's nude is being exchanged, they tighten up and they're like, why would she take that picture in the first place, that like sexually promiscuous fiend and and treat her like she's this raunchy pervert? When this is really just the result of teens being sexual and teens being addicted to tech and the internet and capturing every single moment of their life using their mobile devices. And so, of course, it's just natural that that's also going to apply to their sexual expression. Okay, so on to the uh, sex ed element. I mean, that's the other thing is we can talk about how the laws in all of these states are very different, but also the sex ed is incredibly different. I was watching this one video in a unnamed southern state where they were pre- they had taken this one sex ed video and they had tailored it for the conservative uh, constituencies to say like, well, so having sex is just not an option. Like, well, okay – it is an option. So you can't just like put your head in the sand and say, la, 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 we're not going to tell these kids anything because surely we're setting them up for failure then. I think sex ed does need to extend to tech and it it needs to not just be about sex. It needs to be about consent and teaching kids that the consent of your partner is something that truly matters. And it's not that complicated to understand if you're just paying attention and if you care you know teens are capable of doing really bad things to one another and that often plays out in sex and now it's also playing out in tech as well extreme as it is i think that what this case in north carolina really exemplifies is that technology and the speed at which it is changing our behavior doesn't just mean that legislators need to keep up with societal norms, but education does too. There's this great quote from the technology historian Melvin Kranzberg. He says, Technology is neither good nor bad, nor is it neutral. And I want to add to that. Since it's not neutral, a more nuanced conversation has to happen. As kids are being given supercomputer powers that they put in their pockets, we as adults must help them understand when a picture of a nude body can be used kind of as a weapon, and it might even be a felony. But sometimes it's also not. So I'm glad that we're getting a chance to talk about the nuances and differences here. I would love to know what you think about this case, what you think about teenage sexting, where you come down on all of this. Please reach out to us. You can send us an email. It's note to self at WNYC.org. We are also, of course, on Facebook and Twitter. We love hearing from you. Quick postscript for you. After being rejected from some colleges because he was on probation, 
Cormega just started college. He is going to Chowan University in North Carolina on a partial scholarship. And also, by the way, his parents want North Carolina to update its sexting laws. Cormega's mom suggested that any new legislation be called Cormega's Law. They are also working to get their son's record wiped clean. Many thanks to the Copening family and to Paul Wolverton and Judge Stokes for being so hospitable during our visit to Fayetteville, North Carolina. And hey, we have got a whole bunch of new and amazing shows coming up for you. We're going to be looking at Facebook and understanding more about what tech companies do with all of your personal information. We're going to talk about the good side of games and so many other important topics to do with how we use our technology and retain our humanity and live better, smarter lives. So the best way to find out about these episodes? Get an awesome roundup of relevant links, behind the scenes, and sneak peeks with our weekly newsletter. Never spammy, always fun. Go to noteselfradio.org and join the tens of thousands of other Note to Self listeners who are getting a party in their inbox every Wednesday. A short party, and it's not that loud. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Jenna Cagle, and Joe Plord. Also, thank you to Gina Delvac for her research help and WNYC producer Mithley Rao, who's spending time with us this month. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Manoush Samarodi. Hi, this is Steve Stokes. I'm sorry I'm not available to take your call right now. Please leave your name and your number and the time you have called. I will call you back as soon as I can. Thank you so much and have a great day. Please speak clearly. Your voicemail is being transcribed by email.